Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. So the other day, you remember when I called my mom? Yeah. And they were, um, they were with my, my younger brother. So those who do not know, I have a younger brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and they asked my brother, like, hey, you, you see who this is? And when he, when he looked at me on FaceTime, we looked at each other. He had no idea who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if there was a range of emotions, but something triggered me in that moment to be like, wow own blood brother doesn't really recognize me and I don't know how to feel or what to feel or what to say about it so I think we need to explore it today okay let's talk about it let's talk about it what's going on everybody with your host Malcolm and Brittany Garrison and you're listening to let's talk about it Let's Talk About It is a space where we unpack life's transitions and their effects on millennials. As entrepreneurs and millennial parents, we've navigated a lot of life transitions. And we're here to share those experiences with you while challenging perspectives and engaging in open dialogue. Y'all ready? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So, uh, I think it's it's incredible um, that you're wanting to explore something that you've never talked about. And like, we've been together now. Um, we've talked about it a ton of times on the podcast that we've been together for um, going on 10 years in March. And, you know, seeing your relationship with your brother, um, you know, I guess kind of give a background about your actual family in regards to like, you don't have just one brother, like you have a ton of siblings, a lot of y'all. Um, but um, I know this conversation is going to be really, really important and impactful um, for us because this is really the first time we're actually talking about it to each other too. Yeah, um, but absolutely. let's let's kind of rewind it back and you know break down your family dynamic, I guess, and the way that you want to talk about it. Um, well, you're right. I have a lot of brothers and sisters. Yes. Well, I actually do have a lot of brothers. I have a lot of sisters. Yes, you do. Um, Imagine that. I have an older brother. Um, I have a younger brother that's a year younger than me, thirteen mm-hmm. months to be exact. Um, and then I have a plethora of sisters, like five, four or five sisters. In between all that. In between all that. Yeah. Um, but uh, me and my younger brother are the only two um, from both my parents. Mm-hmm. So they share us together. Yeah. Um, and we all grew up together um, in, in, you know, in, in one house. But all my other siblings were so much older. That a lot of them, we, I didn't spend a lot of time in the home with all of them, mm-hmm. but most of them I did. Like my older brother, I didn't. Um, I don't remember living with him because he left when uh, he was 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and my older sister, uh, Camilla, Quamilla, <laughs> um, I haven't, I don't think I ever lived in a house with her because she was already grown. Right. Um, but everybody else, uh, we lived in a house um, for the most part um, up until I was like 11 or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I saw a lot. <laughs> I saw a lot between um, my family dynamic with that. Um, one being, you know, my sisters and my mom and dad, um, they bumped heads a lot, mm-hmm. uh, really all the time. <laughs> and that's kind of 
what I seen a lot in my adolescent years, mm-hmm. I want to say, up until like, I want to say maybe 12, 13, uh, they used to get into it a lot with my parents um, about pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. You know, we can get into that if you want to. But. I mean, I realized that was in particular what you wanted to talk about, but, you know, um, luckily, seeing them now, I think it's interesting when you see a family dynamic, one that you married into, which is what happened for me, is like, you know, I would hear all the stories growing up, and I'm like, they seen nothing. Like, oh, it's not that you're saying. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, I think it's incredible to be able to be in my 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 shoes to see the relationships between your sisters and your mom and your dad um, blossom because they're all like best friends at this point, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and you know, just from the perspective of mommy AF, you know, of what we talked about. A lot, I feel like, changes with a woman when she has children, too, where you kind of look at the relationship that you have with your parents and what they went through, one with you, or just period, as parents. When you think about, we think about family dynamics, like how do we grow up? What was our circumstances? What were my parents' circumstances? How were they, you know, financially, or how were they together, and all that kind of stuff like that. I think when you start to think about um, those things as an adult mm-hmm. and an adult with children, I think you give your parents a lot more grace very quickly, and then you end up best friends. You do. I'm pretty positive that like me and my mom talk 20 million times more since I had a child. Actually, me and my parents, we talk way more since we had Caden than I feel like I ever did, especially when, once I moved away. You know what I mean? Um, but it, with your brother in particular, you got, like you said at the beginning, you said um, you two are the only um, kids between both of your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like, yo, yo, yo. Brother, brother. Yeah, my brother, brother. Y'all are my siblings. Like, I don't, I don't, we don't do halves on air or nothing like that. Yeah, no. You know, I think it's important to explore this. So, kind of talk about y'all upbringing as brothers. You know, my siblings are so far apart. So, it's like I'm I'm your oldest sister, like, in comparison to you. Where, like, my my sister and I were five years apart, my brother and I were eight years apart. So, I'm like your oldest siblings in comparison to you, but you and your brother Marcus, y'all grew up at the same time. Yeah, we did. We grew up um, at the school. Literally at the same time, so everybody would always mistake us as twins, uh, which kind of got annoying. But that's because they used to match us all the time. I'm cracking up. Um, literally, people used to say we looked alike up until I want to say maybe high school mm-hmm. um, or something like that. Um, but me and my younger brother, we were um, we were close at times. Okay. Um, which is weird. Um, I say for a long time. I didn't know whether whether he disliked me because of maybe I, I wasn't getting in as much trouble mm-hmm. as he would get into sometimes um, or get caught doing stuff stuff that he, he was doing mm-hmm. um, and he felt like I was um, I was favored uh, so to speak and I think uh, when we were really really young he, he would always reference that like you're spoiled or, or you're you know your favorite or they favorite you to like you more stuff like that so I kind of dealt with that and I'm like I don't really know um, I'm like is, is this like a jealousy anything I don't know but of course we loved each other mm-hmm. um, and that that happened through and through you know through all our years um, that would be referenced sometimes mm-hmm. you know anytime pretty much he would get in trouble he would feel like that <laughs> so I mean let's kind of unpack that explore that like how do you feel like that made you feel um, in the sense of, you know, your your younger brother looking at you and the comments are always made that you're favorite. They like you more than me, you know. And I feel like sometimes when we hear stuff like that, you look at it as if like, shut up. 
you know what I'm saying? They love us, blah, 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 blah. But I feel like subconsciously, it puts, like for me, you know, I experienced the same thing with my siblings and like, because I was the oldest. So there was a, a visual of per- perfection mm-hmm. because you were in two different life places. Therefore, you don't know what's really going on in my life. Like if I'm in college and you, you were, I think when I went to college, my sister was like a sophomore in high school, right. you know, or really, no, she wasn't even in high school yet. She was in the eighth grade when I went to college. My brother was in the fifth grade when I went to college. Mm. There's nothing we can talk about for you to really understand me until you get to college. And by the time you're now in college, I'm ma- I, when my brother graduated, we got married the next year. Yeah, no, yeah. that's same too year. Far. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I feel like there was a, for me, it was a, a false sense of perfection because you didn't know me. You only knew what you knew from the outside looking in, literally, because I have to young myself down for conversations that are worthy of my siblings that are younger than me. And so I guess when you don't realize how much it has an effect on you until you're older when you're trying to figure out why other things trigger you. And so like, what was that kind of like, what did you experience, I guess, subconsciously that you're even kind of exploring now that those conversations or those comments kind of, like, how did that make you feel? Uh, I think some sometimes those comments made me, uh, it made me mad. Uh, it made me Resentful. Um, one, I also felt I also felt like I was being judged, or or they he had some type of envy towards me mm-hmm. uh, for something I couldn't control. I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think now looking back, um, it ha- it really had a lot to do with me having trust issues uh, with people. And why I say because that because of what he was saying, because it would seem like he would turn. Gotcha. You know, he, he would kind of turn on me in a, in a sense, like we'd be cool. All of a sudden, boom, now something happened and, and uh, you're against me. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and, I, and I've never done anything to you. Right. So it was like the person closest to me is always changing up mm-hmm. uh, their love for me or, or their reactions towards me. Mm-hmm. It, it just made me seem like, okay, how, how do I get close to somebody and, and they, they can't do the same thing? You know what right. I'm saying? Like if I was if I was getting closer to an to an individual or get to know somebody, and they show love to me, but at, at drop of a hat, could you change on me too? Right. So so now so you you're saying that the interaction with your brother as he started to consider you favored and share that you were favored and, and kind of pretty much tease you, you didn't look at it as just brotherly stuff. It was also now creating low key trust trust issues. Yeah, it was. It was. Now, now I think about it, yeah. yeah, it was creating trust issues. And uh, I mean, it wasn't all bad. Of course, we loved each other, but we definitely used to get in like fights because of that. Like, I used to get really, really pissed off because I'm like, yo, there's no way uh, you feel this way. Like, I, what, what, what have I done in order for you to feel like our parents love me more than you? That you always get in trouble and I'm so high, this perfect child. So, would you talking about perfection? It does put a pressure there uh, that you want to be a, uh, not perfect, but you want to be a, uh, an example. Mm-hmm. You want to be an example because I mean, like I said, growing up, I seen a lot of uh, fighting mm-hmm. uh, between our parents. I seen a lot of rebellion. I seen a lot of that, um, and I just didn't want to go that route. I'm like, okay, if they if they get yelled at for for coming home too late, then I don't want to be that person. I want to come home on time every time. Mm-hmm. To build the trust and stuff like that. That's kind of how I saw it, uh, but yeah, how, it wasn't received that way. It was like, oh, yeah, this, yeah, like I, I heard that so many times. Mm-hmm. 
Billy Two Shoes did these these different type titles, mm-hmm. and I'm like, no, I'm just trying not to get in trouble. Yeah, I'm just I'm just trying not to you know get in trouble and stuff like that. I'm trying to do what's right because I've seen the wrong result. I've seen what happens when you do shit wrong. <laughs> I've seen that result. I just want to do the opposite. Right. Um, but sometimes that that kind of backfired on me when it came to the siblings, though. Yeah. Um, do, so do you feel like so what? What changed? I guess where did you start to see the changes? Because um, yesterday was yesterday, but where did you really start seeing changes between you and your brother? Um, no, I mean, so teenage years um, was a little bit better, um, even though we were kind of going different paths. Mm-hmm. Um, me being in private school, and he was uh, really, really smart. Like my brother, he was really, really smart, and um, he would. My parents always wanted to put him in gifted and talented classes, which mm-hmm. they did. Uh, growing up, and then they put them in um, different schools outside of our middle school that we went to t- together. So mm-hmm. we went to two different high schools. Um, so we were kind of having two different experiences in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with him, he was kind of having a hard time in his school, and for me, I was at um, I was at a Catholic high school. Um, doing, I was doing well there, so there was no issue there for me. But um, for some reason, he was having issues. And, but for us together, as like brother, brother, and brother. We were cool. We were we were having you know we were having a good time. We was understanding each other a lot more, mm-hmm. um, and it was a lot of love there. Um, but things things I think took a turn, uh, and I think I've never I've never said this out loud or publicly at all. Um, you know when my brother got diagnosed with bipolar schizophrenia, I was scared to death. <laughs> I was scared to death. Um, he he got diagnosed at eighteen. Mm-hmm. He got diagnosed at 18, but before then, um, there was some drug and alcohol use. And people ask me all the time, like, why, man, why don't mom drink? Why don't mom smoke? Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you do this and the third? For one, it never, it was never a part of what I ever did. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was never a desire of mine to do mm-hmm. anything like that. So I never, you know, fall, felt the peer pressure of people trying to get me to do that part or something like that. I didn't like the taste, so I'm not going to drink. Um, but... There was, when I saw the use of drugs and they and what, and what the doctor said was that if it's come if you're going to have bipolar disorder if you're going to have this this trait mentally or this disease it typically comes out around the years 18 19 mm-hmm. but it comes out a lot sooner when you do drugs or alcohol like when you when you have use of, of uh, too much uh, stuff in your system. So when when he was diagnosed with that, I was like immediately scared. Like I was like, yo, is this my future? Like is this gonna happen to me? I don't know if this is hereditary. The, the whole thing is no one in my family kind of really has that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm trying to figure out like how is this possible? Because 17, my brother's very, very normal. We, he's the same person I I've always known. Mm-hmm. And the next year you know, you run off and you're, um, you, you know, you're, you, you ran off from home and you were gone for a year. No one knew why. No one knew anything like that. All I did, all I knew was what I saw mm-hmm. when we were, when we were playing outside and stuff like that is he was hanging with certain people. You know what I'm saying? And for me, as an older brother, I was always focused on basketball at that time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really, um, I, I don't think I did a good job protecting him in that point. Mm-hmm. 
um, trying to get him out of that. But I would talk to him like, yo, why? Like, why don't you do this instead? Mm-hmm. But that's kind of hard to have a conversation with somebody that's, a, you know, damn near a grown man at this point. Yeah. Um, but when, like I said, when he got diagnosed with it, though, um, there were so many things that went through my head. Uh, one was, um, if I had children, would they happen to him? Mm-hmm. Would it happen to them? Um, I wrestled that. I wrestled with that for for uh, quite a few years. I'm like, yo, if I have a child, will they will they deal with this one day? Yeah. Um, I don't want that to be, but because my brother lived such a normal life for so long, and to see something like that happen sporadically, I'm like, well, it can happen to anybody. I feel yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, they were told, you know, which is crazy. Doctors told my my parents. He, like when he was young, and they never they never shared this with us until um, then, till now. Is that they told him he's so smart that he he's going either one way or the other. Really? Yeah, that's because like I said, my brother was in gifted and talented classes his whole entire life, so he was really really smart. Um, school was easy for him. It was not so much easy for me, <laughs> but I had to you know Try. be consistent. I had to be consistent. Mm-hmm. But for him, it came so easy. They said he can either be president or he could be different. Uh, I never, and I think back, I'm like, wow, how 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 is that possible? Or like, how do you cultivate the side that you want, you know? Or yeah, you know, I guess I feel like in the moments like that, we kind of talked about when we talked about childhood traumas. Like, do you start to think about if what I do makes it worse or makes it better? Yeah, you know what I mean. And you know to see it to see it happen, and he was living with this disease for a year, and no one knew, no one could help. So when you live when you're living with this disease for so long, uh, without any medicine or without any help, it's very very hard to catch it when it's early to now being a functional adult. Right. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it, it it's scary in a sense when you think about it, like how how you could picture a family member you know for your entire life being in their right mind to now they don't know anything that's normal that's ever happened in their life anymore. Yeah. And they really don't interact with you the same. And for so long I don't I don't even for so long I was I was cold to it. I, I was kinda numb to it. I never really dealt with uh the feelings of it. I never dealt with uh you know or talked about to anybody or, or any or anyone um that's in like a medical field about how this could affect me mm-hmm. or has affected me uh, because it happened so abruptly. I just I just never decided to have the conversation. And yesterday or, or whatever day it was when we were speaking and he didn't know who I was, I was like, yo, for so long I felt like I do I have a, a, a younger brother? Mm-hmm. We've been so disconnected for so many years. Our lives have gone complete different ways. I don't necessarily feel guilty, but I feel like I lost a, bro- a blood brother. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, there that part of me or that part of when we were growing up, that love isn't the same. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like uh, the person I knew, my son would never know. Yeah. The person I grew up with, the person that you know, 
that was joking, laughing, all these, all these great things about him. My son will never get to experience. I don't even know if you got to ever experience it. No, by the time I came around was when things really started to escalate. You yeah. Know? Um, and I think that's the interesting part. It's kind of like, even us talking about it right now, it's like, yo, I've never, we've never talked about it. You know what I mean? Like, I remember when it, stuff started happening at the beginning back in when we were in college and like we would talk about it or we were on break and you were at home and you were experiencing it firsthand or my brother's missing, he ran away, we're trying to find him. You know, I remember seeing you deal with it, but never dealing with it. That makes sense. It was kind of like, you know, as a woman, as a wife, as a girlfriend, our response is always, are you okay? Like, how does that make you feel? Is everything okay? Like, and I feel like the natural man response is, yeah, it's cool. Oh, we found him in school. Um, or he's he's now in a facility or he's in a hospital, whatever. It's cool. But never, are you okay? Like, how does that make you feel? Uh, do you feel, you know, um, disconnected? Do you feel okay? Is this affecting you mentally? Like, I know you want to be strong, especially when your parents are dealing with it. Because at that time, it was just you and him at the house with him. Mm-hmm. You know, it was your mom, your dad, you and your brother. And uh, I mean, I've experienced some. I've experienced some of the effects of the bipolar and the schizophrenia. You know, there was one time I remember I told you like you were like, yeah, my brother's at home. You know, my parents are at work, but my brother's home. He let you in the house, and like he literally looked at me in the window and didn't let me in for hours. It's <laughs> crazy. Wow. You know what I mean? So I've experienced it as well, but I never feel like we've broken down. Like okay, when your brother started to experience symptoms, we've already got it. identified recently just now that. I don't know what I felt like. I felt like I was cold. I felt like I was numb. And I hate that my wife, my son, my children will never know this brother that I had. Mm-hmm. Because I know your brother, your older brother. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I've had plen- you know, plenty of encounters with you know Jamal. And then love your sisters. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, Every great. time I go home, I'm like, oh, I got to pull up with my sister. You know, I love my nieces and nephews that I have because you have so many siblings. But I do think about that too. But more than I think about it, I've always wondered, how does that make you feel? Like, do do you feel like, like, let me ask you this. Where did you see, like when you were 18, you know, before all this happened, where did you see, if you had to project into the future of today, what did your relationship look like with your brother? What is your family relationship, your dynamic of what you expected your son to feel like, with, you know, with your, your um, his uncle, et cetera? Um, around that time, around 18, we were, we were really close. We were really close. We were friends. Um, outside of being brothers, we were, we were, we were genuinely like each other. Mm-hmm. Genuinely. Um, what's crazy is though, I mean, he would, he would kind of get us into some stuff, you know, trouble because, you know, some of the things he was doing outside, I had to, had to defend him sometimes mm-hmm. uh, when it came to that. And uh, some of that stuff backfired on me. Like that, um, I don't know if I told you, you know, I did tell you that time that he had gotten to a fight with somebody. Um, the older brother uh, was out looking for me mm-hmm. and kind of tracked down my, uh, not my whereabouts, but he tracked down kind of my schedule. Back then, I was hooping every day in the summertime up until like 9 p.m., from like 12 to 9 p.m. every single day. And I would walk home when I was done. And this one particular day, I think my brother had went home uh, a lot earlier than I did, like maybe um, 
30 minutes or so earlier than I did. And uh, he said he saw the dude waiting for us uh, or waiting for me because he was looking for me. He wasn't even looking for my, my young brother. He was looking for me. He was looking for me. He uh, he was sitting outside of our uh, apartment complex waiting for me to walk home. He had a knife in his hand. So my brother had called me. And like I said, it was 18. He, he had called me and said, um, don't walk home. Mm-hmm. Such and such is waiting for you. So I had to call my dad and tell him to pick me up from the um, from the uh, basketball uh, from the basketball what was it called court yeah basketball court <laughs> uh, to to take me home and lo and behold I saw a dude as we were driving by I saw a dude walking past because I think he he obviously noticed that I wasn't coming mm-hmm. he must have clocked my time I don't know what it is he must have been watching me um, from that day on. I said I will never take the same way home ever again. Um, just from that, just from that one encounter. But that was kind of our relationship. He looked out. He looked out for me. I looked out for him. That was our relationship back then. And for it to, it kind of like changed in an instant. Yeah. Um, because he, you know, he was dealing with stuff, uh, you know, with his, within itself. It got into it. My parents and wound up, you know, leaving the house. But by the time we actually seen him, we would hear from friends. I would hear from friends around the, around the, um, not really the town, but really the city, that they seen Marcus hit at this uh, superstore. Mm-hmm. They seen Marcus at this grocery store or this Walmart. Um, but no one thought to pick him up and take him home. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, like, how did that make you feel? Like, it, it's like that, but I was saying, tell me you saw him. Well, I mean, the thing is, how I felt is that I can't, I can't blame them yeah. because I don't know what this, I don't know what he looks like, I don't know what state he's in, I don't know if he's dangerous. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know any of this, so I don't fault them. But tell me, days after, I mean, it doesn't help me. You know what I'm saying? But that was at that time, my parents were looking for him for so long. Yeah. Um, my mom's going through it. I saw my mom going through it, and it's. That's when I learned about unconditional love, though. Mm-hmm. Seeing my mom could unconditionally love him through everything um, she was put through, you know, well before all of this happened in any way, continuously love and help him and provide for him, um, I saw how rare a mother's love is mm-hmm. and how we had to cherish our mothers. No, definitely. Um, my son should honor you because the love that you will have, you have for him. Yeah. Is there's no one? My daddy told me one day. He said, "No one's gonna love you like your mother. No one's ever gonna love you like your mother. Not me, not anybody." And I saw that firsthand. Um, but how you said how made me feel? I mean, I I was just you know feel the range of emotions because. Part of me was living my life. I was at that time. I was focused. I was on. I was uh, going to college at that particular time, and my whole goal was to, you know, play collegiate ball. And I didn't get recruited out of high school, so I had to grind uh, my way to get to get to um, a school to play. So part of that, um, I was so focused on. I wasn't necessarily worried about it, and that's the thing. I, I started to become numb to the whole situation. And it was one time where we had to. Uh, we kind of had to corner him mm-hmm. at a mall, 
This was literally a, a year later. A year later, we had to uh, we had to corner him at a mall to have the cops put cuffs on him to actually get him off the streets. Mm-hmm. So um, it was me, my my father, and my um, and myself. Oh, my mom. I said myself. Uh, my mom. We had a uh, we had cornered him at Towson Mall. Um, he was out there. He was actually picking. He was picking pennies out of the uh, wishing well. And that's the first time I had seen him in a year, and I didn't know who who I was looking at. Mm-hmm. I didn't recognize the person I had grew up with, and I was shell shocked. And I'm like, Yo, what the hell is going on? At this time, we don't know his sickness. We don't know he's he, we don't know he's living with bipolar and schizophrenia. And uh, we got him off the streets. We got him. We got him booked. Honestly, <laughs> we had to do it. Got him off the streets, and that's when we. Um, got him help, or he got some help because they they even saw the cops even saw that he's not really all here. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not really all here. Something something else is up, um, and he's not really criminal ish. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He never he never was. And they put him in a facility, and that's when they got the diagnosis and stuff like that. And we started learning more about the sickness and how it comes out, and that's when I started learning about. Um, if it was going to come out, it would come out a lot sooner uh, in your beginning adult years, a lot sooner, if you were to use uh, drugs and stuff like that. Yeah. And that immediately uh, turned me off to any drug use at any point because I knew he was smoking weed. I knew he was doing stuff. Like, but I never knew anything else, and I don't think he ever did. The theory that we have and we've had for years is that he might have been laced with something. Yeah. Um, at least it was something that, that was out of his control uh, because of how severe, how quickly it happened. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know what the hell was going on. And, and the way he would speak, you know, because we had to visit him in, in uh, Shepherd's Pratt. Mm-hmm. He was with me then too, right? Man, we've been together for so long. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. We've been together for so long. We've been together for a long time. Yeah, we, we visited him in Shepherd Pratt and he was the most normal person there, was he? He was definitely the most normal. Having civil conversation, spoke he speaks really well, you know what I'm saying? He was speaking really well. And I'm like, bro, you shouldn't be here. He like, yes, I should be here. I'm like, I believe you. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is crazy. It, I hadn't accepted the disease. At that point? At that point I did not accept the the disease. I didn't accept it. Because I'm like, I know you. I there's no way you should be in this facility right now. I should not be seeing you and I ain't even gonna say it. But I shouldn't be seeing you like this. So I I don't accept what was what they're saying this is. There's no way, bro. You shouldn't be here. We gotta get you out of here. And um I didn't really start accepting the disease until my father was attacked. Um and this is this is this is part of when I really started to feel numb. Because, and I, this is not, this is not to paint my brother as a bad person because he's not. No. Obviously, he's living with a sickness. Um, but this is me sharing something I've never shared with anybody outside of you. I've never really shared this with anybody and, and, and kind of dissected this. And I told Brittany, I said, we have to dissect this because this just triggered me. 
in some kind of way, and I don't know why. But my dad was sleeping one time uh, coming from work. He, he, was sleeping at the, he was sleeping at the house on the couch. And my brother was home. And my brother decides to uh, beat my father in his sleep out of nowhere um, to the point where my dad's face, you couldn't tell who he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw the pictures. Of course, I wasn't here. I was living in Atlanta at the time. I was mm-hmm. living in Atlanta, and I saw the pictures, and I'm like, I can't believe this. Um, the man that provided for us our entire lives, that taught us everything we know, taught us how to be men, uh, that never complained, it worked his ass off. How could he do this? And for so long, for years, I had been mad. I had been mad at my brother. I no longer saw the sickness anymore. I, I'm like, I don't know if I like you. Yeah. Um, because of the significance of what just happened. Um, and I, I think my dad was mad for, for some time. So it took my dad a while. Uh, to, to come back to grips because he knew he was sick too of course but it took my dad some time to to welcome him back yeah. uh, in the fold but for me I had got over that for years and I think I might have just gotten over it maybe over the last two and a half maybe three years to understand that he is sick um, schizophrenia and bipolar disease having both um, is no joke and they give you these medications that are supposed to help. Right. Uh, but really what it does is just sedate you. It makes you numb. It makes you just even more in your thoughts and stuff like that. And I've seen this. Um, so anybody that may be dealing with somebody, um, maybe dealing with a family member or, or, or boyfriend or significant other, whoever, that may be dealing with that, uh, I understand how, what you're feeling, you know, or... or the thing, the stuff that you're seeing is traumatic and we don't know it. Right. You know, and, and we got to deal with the the feelings around it. We got to talk about it. Uh, but for me, for so many years, I was so mad at him that I wouldn't I wouldn't go see him. I wouldn't go visit. I wouldn't call. So, it was a distance for a, lot, for a long period of time, at least four years, where I was... Um, where I be, that's when I began to be numb to the whole entire situation. That I don't, I don't really have a brother. I didn't feel like I had a brother anymore. Yeah. Um, I kind of lost him. And I think that in your adult life, how do you get close to somebody that, how do you get close to other people? How do you trust other people when you feel like you came, you, you didn't trust or you, you didn't connect with the people that you grew up with the most? That's all the most. You know what I'm saying? So, I know it has some kind of effects. Let me ask you this. Do do you feel like that time when your mom went to the doctor with him, and I think this was shortly after we visited him that time, and um, your mom said that the doctor said that you were his trigger, that you were yeah. his trigger, and that a lot of... Dang, I, I forgot about that. A lot of his... It's always lingered in my mind that you know, even with your with what with what you're saying now, like okay, like I feel like I was numb to it. I feel like I didn't have a brother, but not even being able to process or acknowledge the fact that you 
were acknowledged or mentioned as a part of his situation? Like, how did that kind of impact you? Do you feel like that contributed to the numbness to not have to want to think about, like, how could I, how could, like, if you trace it back to everything that you already talked about, like, um, growing up, he always said I was this, and he compared himself to me, and that I'm literally feeling like I'm not doing anything, I'm just living. Like, now hearing stuff like the doctors think that you're a part of his triggering so when he sees you or when he hears your name or whatever, he don't now he don't want to see nobody in the family. Like how did that? Like how do you feel like that also impacted you? Uh, it did. I, I, it was crazy. I forgot about that because I probably suppressed that. Mm-hmm. Just like, just like I feel like with him making that statement is why he probably put it in the back of his head and suppressed it. Yeah. Of who I am because now he, I mean, he doesn't even really know who I am right now. Mm-hmm. So I probably was his trigger. And when he said that, I remember, I remember, like, that took me back, that took me back to childhood, like, bro, like, you feel like everything that's happening to you negatively is because of me, is a direct correlation of, because I'm doing X, Y, and Z, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yo, I'm just trying to live my life. How am I, how, how am I the, the cause of your pain yeah. and what you're going through and stuff like that? And you're right. Um, when he said, he definitely did say, uh, he's my trigger. That's part of, uh, that's another part of why I didn't come around though. Mm. Uh, because, because I'm like, uh, if I'm your trigger, if, I, if I'm the reason why you're acting like this, then why, why do I need to, see, why do we need to see each other? Right. You know, we were at, at that point, we had eyes, he don't know we had eyes, he don't really know what's going on. I can't fall him. But you don't see the disease at that point because I'm, I'm, I'm back in what, what I know of you yeah. and what I saw growing up. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I'm not even thinking about like, okay, he's living with this disease. He don't, he doesn't need it, but it's in his head. So, right, that that was a, it was a triggering moment. And I, I, I've been, I've really never, I never, sit through the feelings of. How do I actually feel about this? Like, do I feel like I have a brother? Do I not? For a long time, I felt like I didn't have a brother. Do you Do you have levels of, do you feel, I don't think guilty is the right word, but it's like, is there a part of you that resents the illness or like, is there a part of you that really is like, okay, do you, have you ever blamed yourself? Uh, yeah, I blame myself for allowing him to uh, hang on the corner and, smoke and do all the stuff that I knew I wasn't doing and I wasn't I had no uh, yeah I don't even know the words <laughs> I feel I feel like I should have stopped that I should have nipped that in the book when we were 17 the first time I saw it I feel like I should have I should have nipped that in the book like even though I came to him I talked to him about it told him to chill out either way he's gonna do what he's gonna do you know what I'm saying but I feel like I should, I could have done more um, in that situation. Maybe, maybe that that sickness wouldn't have came out. Maybe, maybe we'd have got more years of him, yeah. and we could have got him some help because he, you know, we we would have saw the signs maybe gradually and not so quickly. Um, so some of that, sometimes you know, I, I, in the past I have blamed myself on that. I've, I think I've gotten past that, uh, so to speak. But there has been times where I was like, man. I done a little bit more. If I was there a little bit more, if I wasn't so focused on 
you know, the goals I had for my own life, maybe I could have saved some years of his uh, in his right mind. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, I don't know, it's a lot. I think that's valid, but I also don't want you to feel, I ask that in particular because I don't want you to blame yourself. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, God gives us choices, um, but he also knows what's going to happen before we do. Mm -hmm. He knows what each choice, he even knows what choices we're going to make despite what they breed. And, you know, I don't want you to blame yourself. You know, I still believe that there, you know, although the the world says, doctors say that there's no cure for it, that God can do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, God can heal any sickness. He can heal any disease. He can change any person. Um, so, but it's important to not blame yourself for something that you couldn't control because who's to say that what you did would have changed it you know what I mean um, you know and not feeling like because I didn't I, I, I didn't do all I could to save my brother and I, that's how we feel as siblings it's like you know I've had situations where me and my brother get into it and like you know when we I was in high school or stuff like that I remember I, or even in college I used to call you mm -hmm. and you know situations where my brother would run off and leave the house and all that and it's like I know we were just fighting, but that's still my brother. You know, I'm a, I followed him one time on foot, no shoes on, just because I yeah, needed to make sure he was safe. Although I'm pissed. I mean, I couldn't go to work the next day because it was the middle of summer and I burnt my feet. Um, <laughs> it was a lot of work. I know, I should have got some shoes. It was definitely not, not it. But it's like sometimes you look at it like if I could have or what if I would have did this or where would he be and all stuff like that. But it's important not to blame yourself because I feel like we can't properly support them mm -hmm. if we're in a state of blame. You know, we can't support our parents who, you know, we feel this way. And they're just our siblings. Imagine if they were our kids. Correct. You know, and being able to support them because who knows what that makes them feel like. Um, it's hard. I just feel like I feel like we don't talk enough or dissect the things that trigger us. We don't dissect, dissect how they make us feel, you know, We don't, and we live in a state of numbness. And I believe because we live in numbness, when things actually do trigger us, it's like you can kind of go off into the deep end just because, damn, what the hell just happened? And so kind of go back to yesterday where it's like, okay, what the hell is going on? Like, who is, like, I saw your face change when your father said, do you know who that is? And he looked at you. Yeah, he just stared at me. Like, when he showed you, he said, when he showed him no. Kaden a couple uh, last week when it was Kaden, was like, oh, that's your nephew. And he just, you know, it's like, doesn't connect the way you think it would connect. You know right. what I mean? Like, so. I don't know. It was, a, it was a range of emotions, so to speak. It was just like, like, damn. My, my blood brother, my younger brother, does not remember any of the years we we shared as real brothers, you know what I'm saying? Like he'll never remember any of that. And part of it, I don't even some some of it is a blur for me because yeah. it's been so long. I've seen him in this state for for now ten years or more. Yeah, you know, um, and I'm like I, I'm forgetting how he was before. Uh, so to see that is like. Damn man, like my brother doesn't know who I am. How I don't know how how to receive that. I don't know. I don't know how anybody would receive that. Um, whether he's sick or not, he knows all my other siblings though. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And maybe it's because of that time apart that we've had. Like we haven't 
had much communication over the years. Right. Maybe that's a part of it. Um, but I know if I was a trigger point, that could possibly be why. He had to suppress that, that thought for whatever reason. Whatever reason he may resent me, I don't know. Have you, you think that's a conversation that I kind of have with your parents and like kind of ask them, like based off of the time, because they've been spending a lot more time with him now recently too, or even your siblings, your sisters in particular, you know, how how is he when it comes to me? Not for a sense of like trying to figure anything, not, let me not say not to figure anything out, but in the sense of kind of like when 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 my name comes up, because it's like, are you saying now, like, I want to see my brother, like I want to I want to get back and I want to figure out how I could live my life with my brother, even in this state. Like, is that where you are? Um, I'm in a state where I, I would I would like to see him. I, I mean, I was going to go see him when we were there the last time. Yeah. Um, time just didn't permit, and we didn't have we didn't have much, you know, transportation anyway. Um, but I wanted to see him then. But I'm also now thinking like. Would he even know who I am if I was to come here? Like maybe, but maybe not. But you know, the only way you'll know is to go. And yeah, the true. only way to to try to even if he doesn't refresh his memory is to go. You know, but I think it's important to start having some conversations with your family about okay, when it comes to me, like I I want this, you know, because I want this. I need to know because I know. Back in the day, five years ago, six years ago, ten years ago, it was Malcolm's my trigger. Should I go? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and what is the conversation like when it is about me? So that I could, and not in the sense of like, it's not about me, but you know what I mean? You so, um, Because I think it's important, you know. I guess, what would you, what would you say to somebody who is dealing maybe firsthand or secondhand um, with a sibling or a family member that is experiencing some sense of mental illness like what what advice that you wish you would have done sooner maybe or that you're experiencing now as you kind of decom- not decompress but open up this box and start to evaluate what these feelings are what would you say to somebody who is dealing with you know somebody in their life dealing with a mental illness that may be triggering to them or um, you'd be may- maybe trying to figure out like who why did this happen or just feeling out these feelings like what would be your advice to somebody um what I wish I I knew back then uh was I wish I would have researched more uh, to kind of learn more about the disease and the illness and uh if it's possible for them to be functional mm-hmm. um you know being a functional adult but then also um working on my mental because it's a lot of change for everybody yeah. Um, everybody that's involved, like anybody, if you're, if especially if you're like in the same city and in, in the same house and stuff like that, yeah, it's a complete life change that you deal with, um, that you might not be ready for. It's like having a child out of nowhere, like your life turns upside down. Do you feel like that's why you never talked about it? Like this is why this is the like we just shared this with some friends today that you have a brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that deals with bipolar schizophrenia and they're like yo I never knew that like do you feel like that's why you never said it like or why do you not talk about it do you think it's important to start talking about it to deal with it um I think it's important you know I'm just in this uh, new discovery of my life yeah. <laughs> of all aspects mm-hmm. um you know figuring out who I am what 
what things have happened in my life that shape my ideas, my thoughts, uh, my wants, desires, all these different things. I'm just in that space where I'm learning more about myself. And um, with that, I, I, I look to explore, you know what I'm saying? Or I, I communicate with you. Yeah. And we talk about it. Um, I'm just in that space where, you know, the self-discovery of, of, of Malcolm Garrison, what, what has molded you into this man now? Yeah. What's happened in your past, what happened in your life uh, up until this point um, that allows you to, to live life the way that you live? Mm-hmm. And with some things you can change, with some things you can you can continue to do, um, you know, to one hit the hit the goals that you have, and for that, I mean, I, I was just you know it was just a, a random space of okay, this just he he, he doesn't know who I am. I need to explore why I feel so numb right now, um, why I've been feeling numb for years, like why I feel like I don't have a brother, why you know I just don't feel anything. And maybe, maybe that it has to be with, you know, stuff that happened in the past. And maybe I suppressed it and stuff like that. And just never dealt with it. And I would advise somebody to get counsel, you know, therapy or whatever it is. Um, and I've always wanted to do that. I always wanted to get therapy on this particular thing. Really? Uh, yeah. I've always wanted to seek counsel. Uh, just never have, you know, because I, I, no, I have no problem going to uh, counseling and therapy, whatever they call it. That's my advice. Get some help. Get some mental help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I think that was important. This was a heavy episode. I mean, just to lighten the mood, maybe. <laughs> no, I mean, but I feel like there are people that are dealing with things in life, and it may not be a mental illness from a sibling. It might be, you know, you're dealing with an older parent. Like we're in the millennial space, like we're dealing with so much, and I don't think. One, I know you're not the only person that literally lives through life suppressing it. Yeah. I felt like for a long time, I felt like I was literally scared to lose my mind. And I think that's valid, though. Like, it's like in understanding when you don't, like you said, do more research. It's like what your mind automatically went to because you're so close in age, too. It's not yes. like I'm too far off yes. for this to now happen to me if it is hereditary. Exactly. And so I think that's understandable. But who else is sitting here listening to the podcast, watching the podcast, and they're like, damn, I, I, I've experienced this too. And I've never, you know what I mean? Maybe you lived your whole life with the, with a sibling that, you know, had a, a, um, a disability or something like that where, you know, I, I, it's so much that people are dealing with, with, one, with their siblings, but also when it comes to mental health. Maybe it's a boyfriend and, and they're, they're living in a state of depression, like, you know, things like this and dealing with it or not dealing with it can end up you being in your own mental space and yeah. your own, you know, I, I remember the look on your face when you saw your father on FaceTime after you, and now you're dealing with the thought of, I want to go help my father, but I also want to fight my brother, you know what I mean? Like, you're in both head spaces of like, but then I have to think about his illness and I have to consider that and give him grace at the same time, but bro, like, we need to throw hands yeah. at the same time. It was tough. You know what I mean? So it's, I think these conversations are important because we feel like what we've experienced so far, thank God, you know, that whatever's been laid on our heart lately mm-hmm. and us have done has created such an impact and, and influencing, I mean, um, impacting so many people where they're like, yo, I thought I was living in this world by myself, dealing with the same stuff that other people are dealing with. Thanks. And sometimes I feel like we're afraid to have these conversations because I'm sitting here talking about my mental health. You know what I mean? For you to say, 
I actually like a bigger part to to than just the numbing is I felt like for so long it could happen to me too. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure for you that was it's like you almost had to go numb so that you don't have to think about it for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not only just thinking about it and why did this happen to my brother, it was also like what is it in my next? Exactly. And that's literally what it was. In my next. And so I think it's important to talk about stuff like this because you're not the only person in the world dealing with this. Y'all aren't the only family. You know, first experience I had of hearing about somebody with a sibling with schizophrenia was in college. I had a, a homegirl and literally she was telling me about her brother and the things that they were going through. And crazily enough, I guess it didn't scare me because I already knew somebody who was living the same life that was a friend of mine who had the same situation and they were okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? She had a multitude of siblings as well. And this one, schizophrenic. That was the first time I even heard the, the term. And, and it's so crazy because so many functional people with the disease, you know? And, and that's when I was like, man, why Why couldn't he just have, have if he was going to have it, why couldn't he be functional as an adult and be regular with it? You know, so I can have my brother back. You know what I'm saying? So it was a lot of grieving, maybe. You know, yeah. in, in that. Uh, so the fear of of it being me next, and you know, by the time I got past 21, I I kind of settled down. Like, okay, maybe this won't happen to me. Mm-hmm. But even to this day, sometimes it pops up in my head, like, yo, what the heck? Hope, like, pray to God. But what if? You know what I'm saying? But sometimes you feel like you're the only one that feels that way or, or going through it. And sometimes when you're the family that's going through it, that has somebody with that disability, you feel like you're the only family going through this. And you're right. There's so many more people out here that's dealing with that uh, times 10. Yeah. So, got to talk about it. We're in this together. You know, one thing that one of our goals for the podcast is create community to create conversations, to be able to have somebody. And it's not like a me too thing. Like It's not about everybody saying, yo, me too. But it's about knowing that you aren't alone. Because a lot of times when you do deal with mental health issues, when you deal with yourself, when you just deal with life in general, when life be life in the way it be life in, it's like you sit in your head for so long, you come up with these scenarios as if you're the only person dealing with it. And I think because we're able, we're, we're deciding to address some of these things and just share our thoughts on it as we discover the things within ourselves, I, I just, I know that these conversations are changing lives. Um, and will continue to change lives. And, and I, I'm, I mean, I'm really proud of you. I'm serious. I'm proud of me too. I've been with you for 10 years and never have we ever really dived into your thought process in regards to processing it or now that you're just starting to process it. I'm proud of you. I think I think this was really good. And I think it's going to, you know, bless some people. I agree. This has been another one. Yeah. This is good. This was great. I'm proud of you. Therapy, right? Therapy. Man, listen, self-discovery, self-improvement. Um, get help, y'all. It's okay. Go ahead and go to therapy and talk about it. No, we ain't trying to be a therapist or nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? But right. we're we're just here to kind of facilitate your beginning of conversations with maybe your family, maybe your siblings, um, or maybe even helping you decide to rekindle a relationship that you desire. You know, 
Yeah. Um, so we're excited to hear about you guys' journey going through this. Um, and we're here to support you guys in any way um, that we can and just talk about it. That's right. So uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Of course, y'all know uh, I wanted your host, Brittany Garrison. I'm Malcolm Garrison. And you can follow me at Brittany Dedell on all uh, places. And uh, you can follow me on IG at Malcolm underscore two underscores Garrison. And you can follow the show at So Let's Talk About a Podcast um, on all platforms, TikTok, um, Instagram, YouTube. And make sure, don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Um, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. That's right. We out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.